Okay, well, it's great to hear from you both. Thank you very much there. You heard Alex Wong from Ample Capital and Brad Gibson from Alliance Bernstein. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take a final look at the markets for this morning. Uh, in Australia, the, uh, the gains are slipping a little bit now. The SX200 off ju- uh, up just 0.1%. And the K225 in Japan also losing a few of its gains. It's up about half a percent at the moment. Uh, stocks have started trading in South Korea, where the Cosby is up 0.6%. And futures markets indicating a gain of about 50 or 60 points for the Hang Seng at the open. Thank you very much for listening this morning. Do please join me again tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Stay tuned for Back Chat with Hugh Chiverton and Mike Rouse in just a moment. The weather forecast, sunny periods, one or two showers, hot during the day, maximum temperature of around 32 degrees. The weather's going to be unsettled in the next couple of days, sunny periods in the latter part of this week. There is a thunderstorm warning in force, 28 degrees right now, 86% relative humidity. It's 8.31, here's Barry O'Rourke with the half-hour news. Hong Kong's Seoul Hotel, set aside for foreign domestic helpers to quarantine in, says it's fully booked for the next two months. It means only around 280 helpers will be ready to work in the city after the three weeks quarantine. Here's Vicky Wong. The Silka Chunwan Hotel is so far the only hotel designated for foreign domestic helpers to complete their 21 days quarantine. It said it was fully booked until November the 1st, with just over 280 rooms available for the helpers. Under current regulations, hotels can only have around 70% occupancy rate. There's been a shortage of helpers here after the government banned flights from the Philippines and Indonesia from April and May respectively. In a deal struck last week, helpers can begin arriving from today, but it looks to be complicated by a two-week flight ban imposed on Philippine Airlines yesterday after free COVID cases were found on a flight. Hurricane Ida has made landfall in the U.S. state of Louisiana. It's a Category 4 hurricane, the second strongest classification, bringing winds of up to 240 kilometres an hour. The authorities have warned the storm could cause catastrophic damage. The mayor of New Orleans, Latoya Cantrell, urged residents to remain indoors until further notice. This is very serious. We need you to stay in from this point forward all morning, all afternoon. All evening, as it relates to Monday morning, we should see some signs uh, that we're moving out of this, but you are not uh, to come out until you receive more information from the city of New Orleans. Earlier, tens of thousands of people left low-lying coastal areas where there are fears a tidal surge could overwhelm flood defences. And American military officials say they're confident an airstrike on a vehicle in the Afghan capital, Kabul, hit the intended target, a suicide bomber who was about to attack the airport. They say secondary blasts showed the vehicle had been carrying a substantial amount of explosive material. The BBC's Lise Doucette is in the city. At this burning house close to Kabul airport, there's a frantic effort to douse the fire and rush the dead and injured to hospital. The U.S. says on a street nearby, it unleashed a drone strike and that its target was a vehicle carrying suicide bombers from the Islamic State group heading to the airport. At the airport itself, gunfire erupts. Taliban guards struggle to control the crowds. The last Western military flights are still taking off, but this unprecedented airlift will be over in days. And more news on the hour from RTHK. Thank you.
Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chewett and your co-host today is Mike Rouse. Mike, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. Today we're talking about the waste charging scheme and about freelancing. Lawmakers have finally approved the long-delayed legislation to charge households for their rubbish disposal based on the amount they throw away. It remains unclear when the scheme will launch, as officials have extended the implementation period indefinitely. The government says it will take around 18 months to prepare for the programme that will require residents to dispose of their rubbish in bags that will come in 11 sizes, with a 10-litre bag to cost $1.10. But green groups were critical of aspects, saying the lack of a clear timeline would prevent waste production from going ahead soon. What do you think? How can we prevent people from fly-tipping and dumping? What about the catering industry as well? We're going to be joined by the Environment Secretary Wong Kam Singh shortly to uh, discuss the scheme. If you've got a question for him, uh, give us a call. Give it early. 233-88266 is the number. Or you can always email us, backchat at rthk.hk. You can go to our Facebook page, that's backchat and rthk radio 3. After 9.15, we're discussing freelancing as a survey finds that uh, more young people would like to work as freelancers instead of taking up permanent jobs. What's going on there? We're going to be talking to one of them. That's uh, after 9.15 this morning. We've got a few uh, emails on related to aspects of last week's uh, discussions, which maybe we'll get to uh, after uh, 9 o'clock, um, so that we have plenty of time to talk to the Secretary for the Environment, Wong Kam Singh, who joins us now on the line. Mr Wong, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you very much indeed for for, for joining us. Uh, so uh, we're finally kind of uh, seeing this uh, taking concrete form. Uh, these proposals on on how to deal with uh, solid waste uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, first of all, why why is this taking so long to be to uh, to take this uh, form? Uh, this has been under consideration for uh, a very very long long time. We've discussed it many times on, on back chat. Why? What were the what were the tricky aspects? I think by now, I think uh, we should look forward. Certainly, it's a controversial bill. Uh, even in other cities in Asia, when the bill was tabled, it was controversial. It, even in many other well-known cities in Asia, now they are implementing the uh, waste charging. But I think looking forward, we plan to implement the, the, the charging uh, by 2023. And now entering the preparatory period, and we are expanding the community recycling network. So I think that we, including Green Groups and others, should make the best use of the expanded and expanding community recycling network by the EPD. And also, we are also going to step up the publicity and also engage the stakeholders like the property um, management companies so that we can prepare for the implementation Right. Uh, good morning, Mr. Wong. Um, I, I think we should start by saying uh, thank you for coming on the show. I can't remember all the years I've been doing it. We were not talking to a minister before. Um, so well done. And congratulations on finally getting this thing over the line. I, I know we the focus is all on it isn't, it isn't going to start immediately and so on, but no one else managed to get the legislation passed at all. Um, Presumably, the objective here is to get people to throw out less waste by by uh, by recycling more. Is, is that is that a a, a pricey of what you're trying to do? I think there are two key issues. In Hong Kong, the waste generation per person is very high, so there are two means to reduce waste 
to reduce waste generation. Firstly, is to reduce waste at source. For instance, Hong Kong's food waste per person is very high. So people should order food as long as they can consume and also cook as long as they can eat. So that is about the waste reduction at source and everyone can contribute and start by now. Secondly, certainly, is to improve the recycling. The government admits that there are room for improving the recycling provision in Hong Kong. In the past few years, it was substantially affected by the global and regional changes in the recycling industry. So now the government is going to step up our intervention in the local recycling industry. For instance, from food waste, waste paper, recyclable plastics, glass bottles, e-waste, etc. So we are working more at expanding the local recycling network. So right. I think it's good timing for all of us. While waiting for the waste charging, we should make the best use of the EPD's new and expanded recycling network right. now. T- two things immediately uh, come to my mind. One is that uh, in terms of reduction at source, consumers are limited by what is available in the supermarket to some extent. I mean, I am packaging by, by companies. I, I can no longer buy anything that isn't in a plastic bottle um, when I do the weekly shopping. So if we want to reduce use of plastic at source, we've got to do be talking to the manufacturers, don't we, about what they, what they, the containers that they use and their packaging. And, and the second thing, and you, you actually mentioned this in your opening, um, pra- a practical level, it's really got to be the management companies of individual developments that can have the recycling bins and properly categorised so that we know what to do with our bottles, what to do with our cans, what to do with our newspapers, what we, and all the other things that you want us to recycle. It's got to be done really well at that level, doesn't it? Okay, there are two points. In terms of the waste amount, food waste is still the largest, about more than 30%. The packaging waste is actually, in total, less than 10%. They are still important. Okay, so I'm saying that reducing food waste at source could be practiced by everyone from now. Certainly, packaging waste is an issue. So we are talking to the supermarket, telling them that ah, waste charging is forthcoming, and everyone, including the industry, supermarket, the manufacturers, should provide more and better choices for the consumers because they would ask for alternatives, like, uh, say, when we go to supermarket, buying apples and oranges. Could we have the foods with less or without excessive packaging? I think that is the, 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 the influence of the waste charging so that we can make changes in the trade and also in the consumers. Certainly, uh, the property management companies is a very important key stakeholders. So given the 202 feet uh, target time for implementing the waste charging, so we are going to closely, closely engage the property management to provide better research support. I would like to co example. For instance, we understand that the plastic recycling is challenging uh, due to the global and regional market changes. And now we are providing the government contracts to collect recyclable plastics in housing estates. But while we are providing these step-up recycling services, not all estate management is, is 
responding to it positively because they think that ah, during the COVID-19, there are other priorities. But with the forthcoming recharging, I think the SA management will be more forthcoming to make the best use of our recycling provision, covering food waste, waste paper, plastic, glass bottles and e-waste. Okay, uh, quite a few uh, questions uh, in emails. Let's get down to that. We're on Facebook. James says, Our community suffers from rampant illegal dumping from luxury apartments, systematically dumping their trash on the streets every day. FEHD's response is to send in cleaning crews at taxpayers' expense rather than enforce the law. Please ask Mr Wong about this. He's earlier responded to this question saying the new bill offers new opportunities in terms of education, stroke enforcement, etc., citing Seoul and Taipei. But first, Seoul and Taipei introduced waste charging years ago when waste per capita was a fraction of Hong Kong's. We are likely past the tipping point, excludes the pun, to reverse this. That's the first question uh, from James. How will you deal with uh, illegal dumping, Mr Wong? Okay, certainly in many other cities, including Taipei, uh, Korea, and, and even Japan, that there are illegal dumpings. But I think that waste charging could provide a good opportunity for us to do better. Okay, firstly, we would... Uh, with other relevant departments uh, to deal with this issue. And while uh, preparing for the waste charging, uh, we will step up the reporting system and also have the uh, enforcement team to be uh, uh, strengthened so that we can provide a better reporting and enforcement system. For instance, in the coming time, uh, if one is found to illegally dump their waste, 1,500 fixed tech penalty would be charged. That is equivalent to about a few years with charging for an average household. Certainly, uh, in many other cities in Asia with waste charging, publicity and education is very important. So we have set up an outreaching team. It's a new team. Uh, uh, they are going to say how, in particular, the female buildings so that the, even the grassroots people could be better informed about the waste charging, so we can help them to reduce waste and also to make the best use of the community recycling network, so that we can, on one hand, reduce waste and to make Hong Kong cleaner and cleaner. OK, an email from JR who says, Can you ask why polystyrene lunchboxes are still allowed at all in Hong Kong? There are other containers in the market which can work and are more environmentally friendly. Mr Wong? I, I think we are talking about the, uh, the plastic table uh, uh, disposable plastic uh, lunch boxes, yeah, lunch yeah. boxes, yeah. Uh, I, I think that we should be aware that we have an ongoing public consultation uh, about this, and that will be ended on eighth uh, September this year. And we are going to have uh, the regulations uh, on uh, all these types of uh, disposable plastic tableware, so that we can, uh, on one hand, reduce the styrofoam. Uh, large boxes at the same time to encourage uh, reduction of source and at the same time the alternative uh, provisions uh, in, in, in these times of single-use uh, tableware. Okay, a couple of questions from John. First of all, can you ask why the greenhouse gas uh, uh, inventory for years 2019 and 2020 covering waste, transport, etc. Uh, is delayed and has not been published to the public yet? I think that is a uh, internationally, there are probably uh, about two years delay uh, in, in these times of reporting because it's involving a large number of data and interpretations. So we 
we are on par with other international practice. So it's not late? It's not late. Okay. John says uh, also, uh, can the uh, FEHD uh, manage the public recycling containers? Uh, no, so EPD had to take over. Given that FEHD does uh, not have a stellar record, relying on subcontracting out, claiming enforcement will work, uh, is frankly delusional. I guess this is uh, yeah, a question of uh, what gets thrown in the public recycling containers. Okay, for all the recycling, community recycling network under EPD, we ensure that the logistics and also the end-of-pie treatment would turn the collected recyclable into resources. Uh, but we are also changing the provision because the curbside recycling bins without any supervision may not be the best provision. So probably uh, many of people in Hong Kong are aware that uh, we are having the green community uh, rebrand, rebranded to provide better service with uh, supervision and also assistance from uh, the workers. Uh, they include the uh, so-called recycling stores. You can see the rebranded number six, uh, a very simple icon that can uh, accept at least eight times of recyclables commonly found in households. And also they integrate with the uh, smart uh, incentive reward schemes uh, called the Greenly Corn, so that when people take uh, different types of recyclables to our recycling stores, then they can uh, get uh, marks and also uh, uh, when up to certain point, they can get the certain souvenirs and rewards. So we are changing these community recycling network. Uh, to provide better service and uh, so that we can welcome the waste charging. Okay, well, on incentives, uh, M says in an email, some companies are already offering recycling services for a cost. In Sai Kung, a company is running a service that costs $150 a month. For that, the company provides a green bin and collects your recycled waste once a week. Personally, I encourage this innovation, but will the government offer tax incentives for people such as myself who are already using such services? That comes from uh, M. Mr Wong? I think it's more important to provide a comprehensive and sustainable recycling network to cover the entire uh, territory in Hong Kong. So as I said earlier, we are expanding the uh, EPD's community recycling support covering the most uh, commonly found uh, recyclables from food waste, waste paper, plastics, glass bottles, e-waste, Etc. So I think the, the focus should make the best use of the available and expanding community recycling level. Certainly, we have other funding schemes uh, like the Recycling Fund and the Environment and Conservation Fund to support uh, uh, non-profit making organizations do something similar and support the waste charging. Okay. Uh, Paul uh, in an email says, Back chat. Firstly, may I join the hosts in welcoming the minister to the show? I also appreciate his presence. Since single people typically, since single people typically go out to eat and dine, uh, this waste charge quite blatantly has the biggest effect on families. So can I ask the minister if there will be concessions for family? Or is this yet another attack on people who choose to do the natural thing? Uh, concessions for families, Mr Wong? Transition is not very good. Uh, yeah, last yeah. I, I think they're talking about the. Uh, I think he means that uh, families produce a lot more waste uh, than than uh, single people, not just because of the number of 
heads they have, but because of the, the, the way they live. Uh, and so therefore this will be unfair uh, to families. Uh, and therefore he thinks there should be some kind of uh, concessions uh, to encourage families. Any response to that? Um, oh, okay. Um, I, I think that in many other economies, uh, our proposed waste charging scheme is similar, right? That it should not be too complicated, and the level of charging is not very high. Uh, the proposed charging level to be implemented in Hong Kong is something between that in Seoul and Taipei. Given Hong Kong's economy, I think that is very reasonable. So I, I mean that should be the starting point. But uh, when people are talking about the uh, waste charging, that we also cons- concerning about those grassroots people. So we are going to offer uh, to those little people, say, uh, extra ten Hong Kong dollars per month per head, so that uh, they can be mm. uh, taken care during the waste charging. I think that that's the proposal uh, being. Uh, uh, about and to be implemented uh, right. by, by that time. On the point about simplicity, Mr. Wong, yeah. I noticed there are 11 different sizes of, of the bags. Mm. That, that seems to be rowing in the opposite direction a bit. Do we need so many different sizes? I think for an FH household, that's simple, okay? Say, say for your and my family, depending on the uh, number of people living in, in the apartment, or, 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 then you would understand the most suitable size of designated garbage bag to be used in, right? So, so the, 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 the number of options is for you to pick. And then once you establish your habit, then you understand that, say, the size A and B will be the most suitable for you. Say, for size A is for the weekdays, and during the end, you may cook more at home than you could use size B. That's, that's simple. But certainly, there are different trades, companies, organizations, with different garbage generations, those they, they can understand which size would suit them best. So I, I know you've got to go, uh, Mr. Wong. One, one quick question, just that's on my mind, uh, is about. Um, you said that thirty percent of uh, municipal solid waste is, is food waste, uh, uh, but I, I would imagine a lot of that comes from the catering sector. The catering sector is exempt uh, under this this legislation from from these charges. Uh, I, I, right? would like to, I would like to clarify that it's, there's no exemption. Okay. The commitment is that. Say for catering industry, we understand that the food waste is a major amount of garbage generated by them. Mm-hmm. Similar to households, if they can uh, uh, separate their food waste for proper recycling, then those separated recyclables uh, would not be charged. Similarly, for your household, for household, if they can separate paper, food waste, uh, plastics, etc and then deliver it to the collection point for proper recycling. It's still, it's not charged. So it's the same principle. Okay, so no charge if you, if you, if you separate out the waste for recycling. You don't, get, you don't have to pay for that. Yeah, and, and if you pick those recyclables to our, say, recycling stores, you can still, you can further enjoy reward, right? So, so it's the same principle applied for all. But certainly, I would like to add that since for, in Hong Kong, uh, for food waste recycling is challenging because we have to expand our food waste to energy facility. So somehow in the initial years, then we have to set the priority. And the food waste from the catering in- industry is one of the largest source so that we would uh, uh, have the logistics and collection services 
to support uh, the catering industry. But at the same time, starting from this year, we are going to start the uh, food waste recycling in housing estates using smart technology so that we can uh, collect food waste not only from the catering industry but also from households. Okay, Mr. Well, well, I know you've got to go. Thank you very much. We've got uh, quite a lot of uh, more emails, but uh, we, we're out of time. Uh, but thank you very much indeed for, for joining us. Maybe we can speak another time, uh, another occasion. Uh, Mr. Wong Kam Singh, the Secretary for the uh, Environment. Uh, Paul Zimmerman uh, is with us, Southern District Councillor, CEO of Designing Hong Kong. We're also joined now by Edwin Lau, founder and executive director of uh, Green Earth. Uh, Paul Zimmerman, what are your thoughts on the, on the uh, scheme as it's uh, materialised? Well, I mean, it's great uh, that it's uh, that it's uh, now agreed and it's going to pass Let's Go. And it has been a, a real hard battle for government to get through Let's Go because all the legislators are so worried about their votes that they wouldn't want to support this. Um, and uh, and again, uh, they've been able to negotiate this weird little uh, quirk in, 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 in this that uh, it's still not through the system. Uh, it still has to come back to LegCo and uh, to be agreed on. And then they're going to consider it based on the economic environment at the time, blah, blah, blah. Um, so they still um, they still have a, have, a, have, a, have an opportunity to hold it back if they want to. So, and that's so, a pity. So, sorry, I didn't know about So there's like a test period, is there effectively or something? Well, Basically, it's it's been agreed, but the government has to come back. So that's uh, that's what had been agreed. Um, so uh, that's 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 the weakness, and and we're all all the green groups have have loudly complained about that last week. So it's 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 well reported, and Edwin is already giggling in the background. I hear him. So, but but the I, I think the the issue that we have is is to make sure we get through Let's Go uh, in the next round, and and for that I think that the great the greatest issue is. Can we clean up? Can we make sure that people have the confidence that things are going well in the city with collecting waste and collecting recyclables? And I think we still have a long way to go. Um, just this morning, uh, as I go down to the beach for my swim, um, the refuse collection out there is all laying on the street. It's a mess. It is not very well managed. And, and so we have a lot of roadside refuse collection. We have a lot of uh, facilities around town that are not very well managed and they look very bad. And that's, that's going to stop uh, public support. And that might then stop the legislators to get through the next round and speed up the implementation. So we're going to work on that. And that is very much an issue of FEHD. And FEHD is not under EPD, and I think that, you know, Mr. Wong Kong Sim was very clear this morning by not mentioning this issue <laughs> that he doesn't control the FEHD. We still don't have a waste authority. We don't have an integrated approach to our refuse and recyclables. And unless government gets that together, takes away all the waste handling facilities, street cleaning from FEHD and from the, those from the EPD and put them under one waste authority, we're never going to get there because they keep pointing fingers at each other and that's not very helpful. Mm. Edwin Lau, good morning to you. Uh, good morning, uh, founder everyone. Founder and executive director of, uh, of uh, Green Earth. What are your concerns about the scheme? Now, this is only uh, in principle the uh, Lexco has approved the MSW charging bill, but in, field, in, in practical no one needs to pay for any uh, garbage uh, fee uh, until at least 18 months from now. So there is a big uncertainty that whether uh, after the uh, 18 months, they call it the preparatory period, then would the next term of the let's go and the next term of the government, would they really keen to come together to I mean, negotiate a, a very definite time to uh, implement the wage charge. So, I mean, why 
the cities need still such a long uh, preparation period. And in the past, the government, EPD, has launched a different pilot scheme in the communities. And also the Environment and Conservation Fund has uh, granted over 180 projects, also piloting the various uh, models of uh, waste charging in different industries, such as uh, catering, public housing, rural villages. They have all done this in the past many years. So I think the legislator are really not big on this. On, on their face value, they support the legislature, but underneath the table, they are still trying to do a lot of delaying tactics that they don't want this uh, charging to be uh, come in place. Uh, they, they care more about their wolves than the uh, environment, I would say. Uh, yeah, th- there won't really be any elections, though, in the future, <laughs> will there? So the votes perhaps will be less important. <laughs> yeah, but the environment, the uh, waste uh, challenge is really serious in Hong Kong. And I suppose all the political party, all the legislators are aware of. And this uh, legislation, this bill has been discussing for, I mean, uh, 16 years. And how can they... Uh, do all the, um, I mean, ought to create obstacles, hurdles for getting the legislation to be really put on the, I mean, on the city to get it running, okay. similar to other places. All right, well, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to the topic in uh, three minutes after the news uh, at nine. We want to hear from you as well. Drop us a line. Uh, the weather, sunny periods with a couple of showers and thunderstorms. The thunderstorm warning in effect now. 29 Celsius, relative humidity is at 82%. Welcome back. Back chat on uh, Monday morning uh, with Mike Rouse and me, Hugh Chiverton. Uh, we're talking about the uh, waste charging scheme. We had uh, the Secretary for the Environment, Wang Kam Singh, joining us in the first part of the uh, programme. Also still with us is uh, Edwin Lau, founder and executive director of uh, Green Earth, and Paul Zimmerman, Southern District Councillor and CEO of Designing Hong Kong. Later we're going to be talking about uh, freelancing. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, some... We're going to be talking to a uh, freelancer or what's also known as a... What is it? A slashy uh a slashy is uh somebody who does this job and slash that job slash another job uh we'll be talking to a personal trainer slash model stroke uh slash uh, uh private tutor on the uh the uh, good and bad things about uh, freelancing why it's appealing to young people uh in hong kong although uh, uh they are aware of the pros and the cons uh that's coming up uh, later we're also going to be continuing some of the uh discussion we've got some interesting uh, emails on aspects of uh, topics that we dealt with uh last week uh but uh, on uh, this morning's uh, topic and the uh, new waste scheme uh some response uh, m who talked about uh, Sai Kung recycling says uh, disappointed but not surprised at the reply from the minister I subscribed to the service this was a recycling service because the government recycling facilities are not fit for purpose uh, I frequently gar- see garbage collectors mixing the contents of recyclable bins at government collection points in with the general waste. The government should encourage the private-public uh, partnership being operated by companies such as uh, Love Recycling uh, here in Sai Kung. That comes uh, hmm. from uh, M. Uh, Becky says, if food waste was, is such a big issue, does the government have any plan to use this as biofuel uh, to produce green electricity? 
John says he was asking about the uh, greenhouse gas uh, inventory uh, earlier, uh, which Mr. Wong said was not late. Um, uh, John says GHG is late. The GHG inventory is normally published in the middle of the year. The latest data covering 2018, so the data for 2019 should have been published uh, already. Uh, Alan says Hong Kong government has no interest in reducing waste. It never has. It's been waffling about it for 20 years, does some greenwash every now and then, but never does anything that makes a difference. Just uses it as an excuse to promote a large incinerator a white elephant, though in this case a very black elephant. Recycling is a joke. The government refuses to verify that any of the separated waste is actually recycled. Often it's observed to be all mixed together to sent to landfill. At best, recycling plastic only gets 10 or 20%. It's just PR. The only solution to plastic waste is to not produce it. Tax them and force manufacturers to find alternatives. I've been railing against bottled water for years. Drink companies have made it so people refuse to drink tap water despite uh, Hong Kong Water Department verifying it's absolutely safe from the mains. No thanks to the Housing Department. And the lead fiasco, that's from uh, Alan. And uh, S says, I am wondering how many LegCo members are aware of what goes on in wet markets. If a person buys 10 items, that person is handed 10 bags. None of these are biodegradable. Wet markets should only be allowed biodegradable bags. Why are we Second, why are we targeting the consumers and not the manufacturers and suppliers of these goods? That comes from S. Now, Mr. Lau, something uh, you said in the, in the first half yeah. uh, piqued my interest because the object here surely is, is not to charge. The object is to uh, encourage the recycling. In other words, the, the, uh, in a perfect world, no one would have to pay because everything would be recycled. How do we systematically, how do we manage to get the re recycling figures way up from where they are now? financial incentive always are capable to drive behavioral change, including right. people can uh, use reusable items, and they can avoid waste generation at the source, right at the beginning. They don't need to care about finding a proper channels to recycle. Now, if they Second, if they cannot really avoid the source, then they will buy the product with uh, packaging. That could be uh, either paper or plastic or, or metals that they can find reliable sources for putting in and for recycling. Now, they are the uh, green station and they are the green shops and other commercial uh, recycling uh, uh, store that you can really find them and, and separate these recyclable from the mixed trash. Make sure they are clean. They are not contaminated. And when you hand it to them, they are very happy to receive them. And for shops, I mean, privately owned shops, they may offer you a bit of a rebate for those valuable recyclables such as metal and paper, but not really plastic at the moment. And because there is no waste charge, because people will think that, well, throwing, throwing away garbage doesn't, doesn't cost them any money. So what will make them to reduce or to recycle? I mean, it is very difficult in, in, in this situation in Hong Kong. In many other countries, the, it also works very well. i give you two examples. In South Korea, when they have launched the waste charging in 1995, now their household per capita disposal, waste disposal 
has dropped by 74% from 1.3 kilogram to 0.34 kilogram. It's a quick drop. And for Taipei, we all know the place. Then they uh, launched the waste charging in year 2000. And then their uh, household per capita waste disposal has dropped by 65%. Also quite significant. So if Hong Kong can do the same, we may not be achieved the same high uh, dropping weight of the household waste, but we may achieve... Yeah, I, 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 I mean, Mr. Wong didn't want to answer. He said he didn't want to talk about the past. But I, I, I am curious why Why you said it started in 95 in Seoul and 2000 in, in Taipei. In Taipei yes. what, what are the major obstacles in Hong Kong? Why... Was it so difficult in Hong Kong? And, and you know, just because, oh, I mean, looking to the future, will are those real obstacles? Will they be getting in the way in the future as well? No, this is uh, a very uh, whirlwind point that I, I uh, just said it, it is quite ridiculous uh, in, in the in the electrical that they approve the uh, MSW charging bill, but they don't give out any definite uh, uh, effective date for, for, for that law. But what, then, why have we been talking about it for 16 years? What's been the sticking point? Uh, is it, the, that, is the, it that charging...? The, the charging doesn't have any problems because it can work in many other uh, jurisdictions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but it's really the, 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 the legislator who care a lot more about their, their votes, whether they can have uh, a lot of votes to get them back in the electrical in the next round. Well, they care for that more than they care for the really the law really uh, get it passed and and to have control uh, to uh, have a better environment but, or waste reduction or yeah but you have elections in seoul and taipei and why didn't it work here i think it's really the environmental awareness of the general public including the legislator and their different cultures they are more open they are more really concerned about the the environment where they are they are relying on and they are serving and not just so narrow-minded just look at their own vote their, their seat in the electrical i think this is the only uh reason i can i can so, so democracy is to blame mr lau uh, <laughs> not really but for now if the public is really well aware of the environment they 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 will also support the, the legislator who vote for, I mean, uh, we charge and even the, the, the law will charge, charge their money. Yeah, so because they, that's what they, they did, did in Seoul and Taipei. So. <laughs> I, I suppose they are more uh, having better environmental awareness and concern. So and that's the issue, not. really? Yeah. All right, All right. Uh, lots of email. Many uh, emails are on this. Uh, Akil says, I have a question about waste program. How can residents get these waste bags? Will they be sold like regular garbage bags in stores uh, or in buildings? I think the answer is yes, they will. They'll be in, in retail. Uh, retail. Just uh, you'll be able to get them in in uh, uh, convenience stores uh, and so on. Akil also says, P.S., nice question to the minister about the 11 sizes. Ha ha. <laughs> uh, and uh, Pat says, fully support the polluter pays principle. However, unless there's stringent enforcement, there will almost certainly be an increase in waste dumping in rural mm. areas. We already see this with building waste from small builders. Cleanliness at road junctions, verges and waste collection in country parks has already deteriorated with the use of contractors who are often not properly supervised. How will the system work in rural areas where many domestic homes, restaurants and builders dump waste at communal rubbish collection points? That comes 
from Pat. Oh, it's, yeah. a, bi- it's a big issue. And I, I, I've asked uh, Wong Kam Singh and uh, government earlier on this. Why don't we equip all the FEHD cleaners that walk around all our streets, including all the villages, with cameras and make sure that they can report easily when there is when there is waste found on the side of the road? The, the kind of reporting mechanism. Uh, that is not in place currently. Our villages are clean to people come around, but they're not spotting them and they're not reporting them when they're on the side so of the road. Body cams. The, the similar, yeah, similar, yeah absolutely. And, yeah. and, and I, I give you an example. There was a uh, there was waste dumped in Pokfalam on the side of the road uh, regularly. Um, I reported that all the time. The FEAD would call me back an hour later and say, we've cleaned it up. And then, then I got like, did you open up the back and check? And they didn't. So until I got about two years into regularly this, this happening, I was there on time to make sure that, I was, that we hadn't cleaned it up. I opened up the bag, found an envelope, and the waste came from the Vaux Road West. And we found out who the problem was, and it was an FEHD contractor. And then, <laughs> and then the FEHD resolved the problem, and it, was, it never recurred. <laughs> it was as simple as opening the bag and finding the envelope. It, they don't do that. It's and, not and, being done. And, and for the office black spot, the government can also install those uh, cameras, cameras to, to, to see who are dumping <laughs> illegally in, in the place and then get them uh, fined. And, and, and this is the enforcement that only the EPD, they should work harder on that and just not just uh, stay in their comfortable... It's a solvable problem. <laughs> All right. Uh, MT says, uh, create a financially viable industry to support the recycling of waste. Why can the government not add a tax? For example, add a tax of 2 or $3 to a bottle of wine. will facilitate the collection of glass, but can also be joined to support the processing of glass and the creation of a financially viable industry and possible to support other waste types and do it urgently. That's from uh, MT. Uh, James says, why is the government taking such a conservative approach? This discussion has been going on for at least 15 years. Now there are so many exemptions, the cost of the bag is so low. I'm guessing the cost of implementing and enforcing it will be so much higher than the cost of bags. Why is the government so passive on this issue? Hong Kong could be a world leader in waste management. This is not a political issue and it has so much widespread community support. Why doesn't the government act on this issue with the same aggression as it has on other recent issues? (laughs) That's uh, from uh, James. Um, John says, Alan mentioned that recycled materials end up in the general waste. I have witnessed the waste workers throwing recycled material uh, in with the general waste. Uh, it's well known by the general public, that is the FEHD culture. The people believe it's pointless to recycle, preventing people actively recycling. Uh, and uh, JR says, apart from the stick of charging for waste, how about a carrot for return of recyclable materials? For example, glass bottles. Why only have a charge to use of, for example, plastic drinks bottles, but also not also have a reward for return of glass drinks bottles. That's uh, from uh, JR. One thing, uh, uh, Paul, if I could put it to you and Edmund, Edwin, yeah. is there a role here for bigger deposits? If, if every bottle, the first time that you bought it, was $10 on a bottle of beer, everyone would take the bottle back um, if you could reclaim that ten dollars, yeah, there, there is there is absolutely a, a role for uh, for deposit or an, an financial incentive. But if you do it very high, as you suggest, like ten dollars, then we've got a massive amount of fraud. So the the, the what we need to do is in the, in the way what people would invent bottles, whatever they import, they import <laughs> empty, empty, empty glass of bottles. We would get all the bottles from Guangzhou. So it's about, yeah, yeah. But we, we we're running a test scheme, a pilot scheme right now, where five cents is being paid to cleaners for for plastic bottle return, and the volumes have been going up dramatically. As 
especially in the housing estates where that where the estate management allows sorting behind the refuse collection point. And the moment there is no sorting allowed and they cannot have fine space, then the volumes are very low. The moment space is allowed, then the volumes go very high. It's a, it's a very small incentive. But our cleaning network throughout our city is fantastic. We've got cleaners everywhere. And in our households, in our buildings, in our streets, if we allow a small bit of money to go to them, they will keep it separate. We've seen it with metal, we see it with paper, and we can also have it with plastic. And then the community is enabled, then the community is supported. So it's a small incentive that's going to work. Yeah, I, I must add to this. Uh, we have done surveys, uh, public surveys, and that's the, the deposit, which is something good to uh, drive people to return any empty bottles uh, for a dollar, Hong Kong dollar then the uh, recycling rate will be over 70%. And that will drive not just the cleaners and the low-income people, but the ordinary folks. They will also take the trouble, take the time to return uh, empty bottles to designated locations. This is quite common in many European countries and states. And Hong Kong is really lagged behind so much, and the government... It's really so weak that they cannot, I mean, uh, I would say fight back to the legislator who are pushing them to give all sorts of concessions for a law that is so important. It's really, I mean, it, uh, government needs to be uh, held responsible for such a law that takes so long to get it implemented. Well, Edwin Lau, many thanks for joining us, founding executive director of uh, Green Earth. Thanks to uh, Paul Zimmerman, uh, Southern District Councillor, CEO of Designing Hong Kong. Thank you all very much indeed. Uh, okay, some of those uh, earlier emails uh, I mentioned. Uh, Neil says, on Friday's programme, your, your guest, Clement Wu of the DAB and Alan Lung of the Path for a Democracy, insisted the Democratic Party are free to run in the next LegCo elections and that they'd be sure to win seats. But we all know this is not true. Many potential Democratic candidates have been jailed or banned from running and the few directly elected seats left under the new system will be gerrymandered to ensure only pro-establishment candidates can win them. Should a genuinely democratic voice accidentally make it through the vetting process, they would face the prospect of disqualification and being sued for their salaries and expenses. These elections are pure theatre and anyone who pretends otherwise is not being honest. The government and its servile political bodies want the elections to appear meaningful because it's the only way they can maintain any pretense of legitimacy. An election that cannot be freely contested is not a free election. Some might say that anyone who takes part in this farce is either a cynical opportunist or hopelessly naive. But under the legal circumstances, I wouldn't dream of suggesting such a thing. That's from Neil. Martin B says, uh, As guest Mike Rouse is enjoying the services of cheap imported labour, while locals who do their own chores have to bear with almost daily reports of arriving domestic helpers testing positive for COVID. His own words included reference to local workers being expensive, not wanting to live here, and hard to find good quality. Well, the good quality issue is down to training. He himself was part of the government mechanism that did nothing to ensure that programmes to train domestic helpers were up and running when the 150 uh, per day one-way permit holder were allowed in. The new immigrants were left to fend for themselves and rely on the services of NGOs and charities. Really expensive and live-in. The imported workers are certainly not happy both with their wage level and live-in requirements but have to suck it up as civil servants and legislators themselves enjoy the supply of cheap and docile labour so their protests are ignored. Local workers are not suckers and expect reasonable remuneration with regular hours and time to enjoy a normal family life. As to 
the condescending remark about spreading wealth to the less well-off parts of the region. Some view this as supporting corrupt regimes. If more Hong Kongers did their own housework, we would have a more fit and healthy community. The stretching and bending involved excellent workouts and leave less time for snacking. That's from uh, Martin B. Uh, Mary says, in Friday's discussion, it appears that one facet of the pressure being exerted on the Democrats to participate in the LegCo election is being overlooked. If there are no opposition candidates, would uh, not only would those from the yellow camp stay away from polling stations, so too would many blues. When the choice of candidate is between DAB and FTU, birds of a feather, the outcome is the same. So no incentive to turn out as your side would win anyway. As a low turnout is not what is desired, one could assume that the plan is to encourage some candidates from the opposition to run in order to stimulate participation. After all, even if a few Democrats were to win seats, they can easily be disqualified later for something they did. A posting on the web, comments made, bullying in kindergarten, anything that can be gerrymandered to denote violation of the elastic national security law. After all, Chen Jung-tai was binned when his presence was considered to be no longer of strategic value. That comes uh, from Mary. Bowen says, uh, on the SEMP editorial on civic-minded advocacy, the SEMP editorial about the need for civic-minded advocacy by professional experts is obviously right, but the fact that the performance of such duties by such groups needs to be encouraged at all and even openly protected in the editorial of a leading newspaper, a supposedly international city like ours, rare as such have been, gives us a sense of the treacherous political conditions now. The Law Society and the Bar Association are clearly obligated professionally to comment on legal issues which the executive branch may have an also have an interest in expressing a serious legal viewpoint whatever its ramifications is not tantamount to pushing a political agenda the executive is obviously able to ignore opinions given to it and make its own decisions in which case it will have to as well as ought to bear the political uh, political consequences it's a truism to say that even in jurisdictions where the rule of law exists, law and politics are often two sides of the same coin of governance, not two types of activities which exist in separate vacuums. The rules have been known and followed for a long time. Lawyers can, especially when invited, speak to the government, which may or may not agree. Officials and politicians, government counsel performing court duties excluded, cannot speak to judges on cases because judges are disinterested and independent in discharging their duties. A casual review of the crises our city has faced includes numerous examples where havoc and disaster could be averted if professional legal opinions were seriously heeded. That comes uh, from uh, Bowen. Thank you very much indeed uh, for those uh, comments. On the question of freelancers, which we're getting to now, Mr Tang says, YouTubers, freelance writers, independent photographers and app developers are emerging on a day-to-day -day basis all over the globe. The lifestyle of these freelance workers is the envy of many, as they seemingly enjoy life to the full. They don't need to work nine to five, have great flexibility and say in the line of the work they do. They switch jobs often to broaden their horizons in the eyes of the millennials who value independent individuality freelance work is the golden standard for a fulfilling career at first glance it looks as if working freelance for life is not a bad choice be careful though this type of work may not be suitable for everyone not sticking to the same profession is not without its disadvantages the most obvious con of switching jobs is an unstable career and income another con of not sticking to the same profession is the keen competition caused by the ever evoking market uh, perhaps evolving market uh, new players enter a field constantly and trends today may fall out of favor pretty soon customers are fickle and their ch uh, their taste changes easily 
One also needs to take several factors into consideration, such as personality and family commitments, before deciding if freelance work suits. Uh, thanks very much indeed. That's from uh, Mr. Tang. Um, joining us now uh, on the line, we have uh, Catherine Lowe, who's a, a personal trainer, a, a model, and uh, a private tuner. Miss Lowe, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, thanks very much indeed for, for joining us. This, this discussion inspired by uh, a study from the uh, Concern for Grassroots Livelihood uh, Alliance uh, who uh, talked to uh, a group of uh, young people, some 200 young people. Uh, 65% said they would prefer freelancing to fixed employment. Half already had experience as uh, uh, freelancers, uh, although uh, the uh, alliance has also urged the government to provide more labour protection for freelancers. Um, uh, uh, Miss Lowe, uh, what, 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 you know, so you're a freelancer or you do bits of jobs. Uh, what's the appeal for you? What's the, sorry? Why do you like it? Why do you do it? Oh, so I used to work night six, but as everybody knows, working overtime is such a norm in Hong Kong. And on top of that, I still have to commute. So there goes like 10, 11 hours of my day. It got to a point where I feel like I have to pick between sleep and pastime. And even when I was on my day off, I felt like I was still recovering from work during the week, that I didn't have much energy to do other things. And that kind of very robotic, repetitive lifestyle made me feel really numb inside. Like I couldn't feel the vitality for life. And then so I switched to become a gym instructor, which was definitely better in terms of work-life balance because the working hours wasn't as long as a nine-to-five job. But the gym took a big cut of my um, personal training section, um, which is where my commission comes from, like a bit more than 50%. Like, I only get less than half. Wow. Yeah. Oh. So, and that was already a quite, quite a good offer in the industry. So whereas for freelance, after paying for the rent of the venue, I can still probably get like roughly 70% of how much my clients are paying. So my rate is actually lower than before, but the amount I earn is more or less the same. Right. Also, I don't have to be on duty at the gym, so that gives me gives me more time to do my own thing. So in another words, my clients can enjoy the same service at a lower rate, while I can have more private time for myself and make more or less the same right. amount. Now, I had lunch with a freelancer, on, as it happens, uh, without knowing what the subject would be today. I had lunch with a freelancer on Friday, and the big point she was making to me was she's free of the hierarchy uh, she's actually teaching um, but teaching in a school she found she didn't like it it was it was too much administration but now with private tuition she's really enjoying teaching again and and she's earning just as much money so yeah, yeah absolutely think that yeah this hierarchical thing but how do you advertise from for work how do you get new clients? Um, actually, since this, which is one of the biggest challenge for me after switching to feel freelance, because we have to put extra effort in marketing ourselves out there. Because, right. Um, we are not under a gym or any companies. It's a tough task and can be very time consuming. I just do it through like Instagram accounts, and I have my small YouTube channel. Um, so I would say like all three of my freelance jobs really like rely heavily on referrals i think that's, word of mouth yeah yes yes so i think that's almost the nature of all kinds like all kinds of freelancing in like regardless what industry it is but when you start out it must be tough at first 
Yes, absolutely. I'm still slowly building it up. I mean, one thing about, you know, a sort of regular job is that maybe the hours are long, but well for many not not for all but for many jobs when you finish you finish and you go home and you're you're away from the job don't you find with freelancing is that you're permanently kind of working because you're always trying to get business trying to get paid that the, you know the work and the and your life just kind of bleed together yes but i guess that's somehow like the point of going to freelance for me because I'm really doing this something that I really like mm. like being a life model um, can be quite sensitive in Hong Kong like where I have to like get nude and um, you know uh, in a drawing class or being like photo shoot and stuff so it's so hard to be like compatible with a normal like full-time job that's why I go like freelance so which is something that I really enjoy in doing but I do really feel like we like I don't have a fixed day off. Sometimes even when I'm not feeling quite well, I would still insist to work because I don't want to reschedule my clients because sometimes they may be like, okay, since our schedule doesn't really work this week, then maybe I'll just skip this week. And that would affect my income, obviously. And for longer vacations, it's even harder because we don't have paid annual leave like a full-time employee. So if we want to put work aside and rest, that means we're giving up our income for yeah. that period of time. Why does this appeal to young people, do you think? Why this generation? Why is it so popular? I guess, like, nowadays, our generation really, like, emphasize on work-life balance. But um, I'll say most of the companies, like, in the private sector is getting better now. But I can still see that, like, culture of working overtime is very prevalent here, like, my employers, they would think like, oh, if you leave early, then maybe you don't have enough work on your hands or like you're not hardworking. Or like when I see my like peers, they are still staying at work, uh, staying after work for like 30 minutes, an hour. I feel like, uh, should I really go now? And yeah, I guess that's why people want to go for freelance. Well, many thanks for, for, for joining us, Catherine Lother, a uh, personal trainer, model, and, and, uh, and a private tutor. Thank you very much uh, indeed. Uh, just before we go, a few more uh, emails. Uh, uh, Anthony says, when I moved to Tokyo from Hong Kong uh, back in 1983, there was a rigorous recycling policy already in place so that we were instructed by our landlord and the rental agency about our waste separation into dedicated bins. At the time, the Japanese were dealing with the problem of waste in the rural areas, but as we all know, the country is now spotless. Why has Hong Kong been so hopeless with endless hand-wringing and feeble implementation of waste separation? It's little better than countries in Southeast Asia whose standard of living is way below ours. Um, thanks for that. And uh, S says there was a paper collection store near Castle Road where they would pay according to the weight of the papers returned to them. Every time a 10-kilogram load would show only two kilograms on their scale and they would pay cash accordingly it's closed now that comes uh, from uh, s and uh, jimmy says uh, on the iraq and afghan conflicts who is responsible for the iraq afghan conflicts osama bin laden for his lust for vengeance president bush and britain and those european countries that joined the iraq coalition of the willing George H.W. Bush stupidity and his vice president Dick Cheney shock and awe both own the entire 20 years for attempting regime change and nation building in Iraq. 
the CIA for its 30-plus years of interference in the civil-stroke-religious wars in Afghanistan, the US Congress for not putting an end to the senseless criminal behaviour of three two-term presidential administrations, the entire international peacekeeping community for its complacency concerning terrorism. That's uh, from Jimmy. Thank you very much indeed for that. Mike, thank you very much indeed. I'm a freelance too, of course. Yeah, do you like it? Yeah, I love it. You do? It suits you? I can put together a stable of different clients, you know, the, the SCMP, RTHK, uh, just lectured last week at HKUST. But finding new work is, is, is tough. And getting paid as well no, afterwards. I, was that all right? I, I pick reliable clients. Okay. <laughs> like us. Yeah. All right. Well, we will be back reliably uh, tomorrow, I hope, with uh, Ada. Uh, join us then. The weather, sunny periods with a couple of showers and thunderstorms. Uh, the weather will be unsettled in the next couple of days. The thunderstorm warning now, 29 Celsius, relative humidity, 81%. The 2021 Election Committee Subsector Ordinary Elections will be held on September 19th. Voters should wear a mask, have their temperature checked and sanitise their hands. A special queue will be set up for persons aged 70 or above, or with disabilities and pregnant women. Voters must show their ID cards. Staff will use the electronic poll register for identification and issuing ballots. Voters should place the marked ballot in an envelope and put it into the ballot box. 9.34, the news now with Vicky Wong. Hong Kong's Seoul Hotel set aside for foreign domestic helpers to quarantine in says it's fully booked for the next two months. It means only around 280 helpers will be ready to work in the city after their three weeks quarantine. Under current regulations, hotels can only have around 70% occupancy rate. The United Nations nuclear watchdog says North Korea appears to have restarted a nuclear reactor capable of producing plutonium for nuclear weapons. The International Atomic Energy Agency says the reactor has been discharging cooling water since July, suggesting that it's operational. And one of the most powerful hurricanes ever to hit the U.S. state of Louisiana is moving inland, flooding coastal areas and cutting power to more than 700,000 people. Tens of thousands of people have been evacuated from the Gulf Coast. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. morning. Hi. Good morning. And good morning to you too. How are you doing? Excellent. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Fine, thank you. Thanks for inviting me to your show. Oh, you. Good morning. How are you? Good to see you. <laughs>